Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, flying solo today, but not for long. Veteran Bay Area reporter Jeannie Lynch is in the studio with us today. We're so pleased to have her with us. We mentioned earlier that Jeannie will be doing special edition healthcare reports for Nurse Talk. She has been in the Bay Area broadcasting reporter and producer for over 25 years. She is currently the South Bay reporter for KGO Radio. She has won numerous awards, including honors from the radio and television News Directors Association. Before working on radio, Jeannie worked for KRON-TV as their overnight anchor and public affairs director for KNTV. She has produced many independent documentaries on a variety of topics. Welcome, Jeannie, and please take it away. Well, we're talking about a disease that affects 10% of all Americans. This is diabetes, of which there are two types, type 1 and type 2. Now, about 1 million Americans have type 1 diabetes. And while a cure for type 1 diabetes is still far from sight, there is a big hope now with new research using what's called a bionic pancreas. Now, the goal is to live free of pinpricks, manual insulin injections, and keeping up with unpredictable blood sugar changes that result from things like daily activity and what you eat. Now, to better understand how this wearable device works. We have with us Dr. Stephen Russell, who is at Massachusetts General Hospital, and he is one of the primary investigators on this project. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Russell. Thank you for having me. So tell us, first of all, what is the bionic pancreas and how does it work? The bionic pancreas is an automatic device that checks the blood glucose every five minutes, 288 times a day, and gives either insulin to bring the blood glucose down or glucagon to bring the blood glucose up. And uh, by checking very frequently and having the ability to both raise and lower the blood glucose, it can respond to many challenges of blood sugar control and, and do a much better job of controlling the blood sugar than people are able to do with the tools they have available now. So it releases insulin and glucagon into the blood, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the way it measures uh, the glucose is with a continuous glucose monitor, a little sensor that goes in just about half a centimeter into the skin, and it's constantly measuring the sugar in the fluid between the cells of the skin. It sends that information to a computer that does calculations based on the blood sugar and how much insulin is on board, and it makes decisions about giving either insulin or glucagon, and they're given by regular insulin pumps into infusion sets, again, that go just uh, less than a centimeter into the skin, and from there, the insulin or glucagon is absorbed into the blood. Now, there's several parts to this bionic pancreas, correct? There are four or five parts That's right. to it? Describe the parts very briefly. So there's the continuous glucose monitor, and that uh, has a little sensor, a little wire coated with uh, enzymes that can be used to sense glucose, and that is inserted into the skin and gets connected to a little transmitter, and that transmitter sends signals by radio frequency to, at this moment, to a, a, a receiver and the, the continuous glucose monitor, including the sensor, the transmitter, and the receiver, is currently commercially available. It's 
called the Dexcom G4 Platinum, and people with type 1 diabetes can use it to help monitor their own blood sugar. But they have to, of course, make all the decisions about what to do with that information. In our case, we have it connected to an iPhone, which acts as a portable computer. It runs a, an app that incorporates the mathematics that determine how much insulin or glucagon should be given. And then it talks to two pumps using Bluetooth technology, the same kind of technology that, for instance, you use to connect an earpiece to your mobile phone. But in this case, it's taking the information from the phone about how much insulin or glucagon to give. It's sending it out to two pumps. Right now, we're using pumps from a company called Tandem. They're the Tandem T-Slim pumps, and they have Bluetooth connectivity. And then they pump the insulin or glucagon through these thin catheters that go to infusion sets, little tubes that just end uh, about a centimeter under the surface of the skin. And so this whole loop of sensing the glucose, giving it to the iPhone app, making decisions, sending the information to the pumps, the pumps delivering the drug, that happens every five minutes. And it's continually updating the uh the glucose information, and therefore continually making new decisions about how much of the drugs to get. Steve Jobs would have been very proud of his iPhone. <laughs> you know, we're using the iPhone right now because it's a small, portable computer and because it has the wireless technology we need. But ultimately, we're going to integrate all of these components to a single device that will have two pump chambers, so it will give both insulin and glucagon from two different pump chambers, it will have the receiver for the continuous glucose monitor, and it will have the, the uh, mathematics on a chip that's resident in this device and a screen and a, a user interface so that people can um, interact with the device. All that will be in a single device about the size of a current insulin pump. So it's, it's going to be not much larger than a current insulin pump, but it's going to do so much more for patients. And so this is a wearable device? A wearable device is something you would drop in your pocket or uh, use on a belt clip, something like that, yes. Now, let's distinguish what kind of diabetics could use the bionic pancreas. Well, so far, we've only tested it in people with type 1 diabetes. Those are the people who have the most trouble controlling their blood sugar and who have the biggest swings and are most at risk for dangerous low blood sugars. But we also think it could be very useful for people with type 2 diabetes who have reached the point of progression of their diabetes so that they have to have the same kind of insulin dosing that people with type 1 have. That is, uh, a basal insulin that, that lasts all day long and then taking a shot for every meal or every time they eat something. And for those people, we think the bionic pancreas would probably be a very good choice as well. And we have plans to test that in the future. Let's talk about the pros and cons of using this device. Start briefly with the pros, if you would. Well, the pros would be that uh, it, in our studies to date, we've shown that it controls the blood glucose much better than people are able to do with the tools that they currently have available. We've compared it to people using insulin pumps, and um, many of them, almost half of them, were using their own continuous glucose monitor to provide additional information, but they had to be the smarts. There was no computer telling them what to do, and, and they had to make uh, intermittent decisions about how much insulin to take or whether 
They had to take sugar to treat low blood sugars. The bionic pancreas does all of that automatically, and so it lowers the average blood glucose. In fact, everybody on the bionic pancreas was able to get an average blood glucose that met the target set by the American Diabetes Association for prevention of complications. And at the same time, it significantly reduces the risk of low blood sugars, hypoglycemia. So that's a, that's a big plus right there, better blood glucose control. Um, the next thing, of course, is that it's able to make all these adjustments 24 hours around the clock. It's always watching, always vigilant, even when people are asleep or not paying attention. And that can really reduce the worry associated with going to bed and not knowing whether you're going to wake up low or, or even have a severe low blood sugar leading to a seizure or some serious consequence overnight when, when you can't mind your own blood sugar values. And then the final real pro is that having diabetes is a lot of work, uh, in particular for people who have to take these complicated insulin dosing regimens. And the system lifts all that load off their shoulders. It automatically takes care of all those adjustments, and you can get even a little better control if you tell it when you eat, when you eat, and, and roughly the size of the meal. But you wouldn't have to count carbohydrates like people with diabetes do now, where they have to count carbs to the gram. You just say, you know, this is a typical size meal for me, or this is a more than typical size meal for me. And then the system learns over time what that means for you, and it knows how much insulin to give. Is it fair to assume that this device could lead to a cure for type 1 diabetes? You know, I wouldn't call it a cure. I would just call it a very, very good treatment. Uh, the way I look at it, you know, I guess there's sort of levels of cure. It's really more of a, a continuum. Some people might feel that if they're able to wear a device and it takes the worry away and they get very good blood glucose control, um, that that's a cure, I, I think that would be stretching it a bit because you still have to change the batteries on this thing. You still have to uh, check the blood glucose once or twice a day to calibrate it. You have to fill the insulin and glucagon reservoirs. So I would really say that this is a, an excellent treatment. A cure would really be something that, you know, you, uh, that would change the immune attack that destroys the ability to make insulin. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we're probably kind of a long way from that. But in the meantime, this could provide really excellent blood glucose control, and it could prevent all those complications that people with diabetes fear, the eye problems that can lead to blindness, the kidney problems that can lead to kidney failure, the nerve problems that can lead to foot ulcers and amputations. I think that this could prevent all of those things. Um, and I think it's also the important thing that you've emphasized is it really takes away the day-to-day -day burden of the management of, of diabetes off the shoulders of the patients because it's a 24-7 disease. Absolutely. I, I wonder how, how much more some, some of the uh, you know, brilliant people with type 1 diabetes could have accomplished if they didn't have to spend so much of their time just staying alive, protecting themselves from, from diabetes. Many people say it feels like having another job or at least another half-time job, just managing their blood sugar. And when it's high, they don't feel well and they're not as productive. When it's low, they have to interrupt whatever they're doing to treat the lows. It's really a very large amount of work and uh, just a constant, uh, constant thing that people are having to think about and deal with in the midst of everything else they're trying to accomplish. And I think it's important, too, to emphasize, at least you should emphasize this, that diabetes can kill. 
It absolutely can. Uh, in the long run, of course, it can kill because of these complications. Uh, once you get kidney failure, the, uh, that dramatically increases your risk of death. But it can also kill in the short run. Uh, you know, a, a bad low blood sugar when you're driving or a bad low blood sugar at night can kill. The, the risk of dying with, uh, when you're an adolescent uh, the risk of dying if you have type 1 diabetes is double that for adolescents who don't have diabetes. And there's this horrible syndrome called dead-in-bed syndrome, which is just what it sounds like. A parent will put their child to bed at night and come back in the morning and find them dead because they had a severe low blood sugar and had um, severe seizures and they didn't survive the night. And almost every parent with a kid who has diabetes tells you they never sleep the same again. Most of them get up at least once or twice a night to check the blood sugars. It really is a, a tremendous burden of worry that, that uh, people with the disease and their loved ones carry. Let, let's wind up this interesting conversation by talking about the status of this device and how soon we will find it on the market. Well, we have been pushing forward uh, very quickly, I think. We've, we've uh, accomplished a lot in a fairly short amount of time. We went from inpatient studies just a couple of years ago to now publishing our first outpatient studies recently in the New England Journal of Medicine. And we've now begun uh, true home use studies where we send the device home with uh, volunteers and we don't see them again for 11 days. So these have all been done with this initial device I described to you, the one with all the different parts that communicate wirelessly. Right now we're trying to raise money and build the fully integrated device, and we hope that we will have that done by uh, the middle of next year and that we will be able to then plan our pivotal trials, the trials that are necessary to get approval by the FDA, and execute those trials in 2016 and give the data from those trials to the Food and Drug Administration and you know, how long it takes them to make a decision, we don't know. But if we say it takes them a year, then we could have this on the market as early as 2017. That would be, that would be the absolute earliest date, and a lot of things would have to go right, but that's what we're pushing for. And final and very important question, the cost of this device. Well, that hasn't been determined yet. I think it will inevitably be a little bit more expensive than current insulin pumps because it's a lot more uh, complicated. It'll have two, two insulin pumps. It'll have the continuous glucose monitor built into it. It'll have all the, um, the control algorithm, and there will be the need to have uh, continuous glucose monitor sensors on a regular basis and both insulin and glucagon. Uh, but I, I can't tell you exactly how much it'll be. We hope it won't be too much more than the current cost of treatment. And uh, we think that that uh, uh, a slight increase in price could certainly be well justified by reducing or eliminating the complications, which are the real high cost of caring for people with diabetes. Okay, thank you, Dr. Stephen Russell. He's an endocrinologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, and we have been talking about the bionic pancreas.